The Boarding Pass is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Winnipeg Jets ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. One tap, two taps, that's the checkout process. Simple, quick, easy to navigate, you're out. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. To this special edition of the boarding pass a decade in review um, we're at a point at the athletic where we're looking at decades of nhl teams across the league and i think it's safe to say in winnipeg's case the top team was easily the 2017-18 team that uh, ran all the way to the conference finals and you know by my estimation probably even outplayed vegas in a lot of ways except for goaltending where it counted so much in that final season um, but one of the things that really we've been asked to do is sort of investigate who would be on the ultimate decade team for the winnipeg jets and ken has put a particular amount of of work into this and um, I just can't wait Ken to ask you sort of about your choices your reasoning I'm not going to debate you on everything because I think there's you, you hit a couple of slam dunks but I, I just uh, I, I'm looking forward to hearing especially given the, the perspective that you have because I mean you covered the moose you were a day one Winnipeg Jets reporter uh, and have seen so many of the highs and lows for the for the team since they returned to Winnipeg and um, I, I think that no one on the Winnipeg circuit would have a better insight into these things than you do. Um, so f- first off, before we even get into the names and, and the choices, what was the process like for the, for you on this? How did you even go about approaching such a thing? Yeah, I'm right. It, it was interesting uh, when the when the assignment came rolling in. Uh, obviously, these things are always fun to put together, and uh, generally they are a source of debate from our <laughs> from our readers, listeners, viewers, uh, all of those uh, folks. Uh, there's always an element of uh, you know. Hold on, I'm going to interrupt you right now. I don't think is Sammy Niku one of the top defensemen that you chose for the decade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, free Niku and his hashtag is 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 not been included in this decade. Uh, it's it's entirely possible that I will I will definitely have him under consideration for the next All Decade team. Uh, how about how about is that would that be a good way to quiet the critics? Fair play, uh, yeah. You acknowledge the Free Niku community, who I adore, um, but also okay. Maybe I was out of line there, Ken. Pardon me. As you were, you were telling us how you went into this uh, this quite crazy process. I should say one of the one of the teasers before we get into the name dropping is that I think there was another movement of defense fans who will be happy with one of my selections. Let's maybe go back to that eventually. <laughs> uh, the process was very fun. I mean, there it's a combination of uh, you know statistical analysis. Uh, there's we use all the fun things. We use the eye test. Used uh, you know a little bit of uh, analytics in there too. Uh, just just to make sure we're uh, you know checking all of the boxes. 
some of them were quite simple. Others were incredibly challenging. And, you know, how much, does, what does longevity count for? What do uh, some incredibly impressive personal seasons count for? I mean, uh, I had some certainly some debate with some of the final four winger positions. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, definitely did calculate some of the projections, even though a projection over longevity, you know, subtracted by the greater root of, uh, of just impressive starts to a career. So, uh, it was, it was a challenging endeavor on some fronts and on others, it was pretty easy, but it's one of those things that is always enjoyable and is always meant to spark conversation and debate. And I'm sure that the, uh, inbox and comment section will be, uh, you know, a nice combination of Weeb doesn't know what he's talking about, and hey, that was a good decision, or at least that's what uh, <laughs> that's what my projection uh, of the analysis will be. Well, if you don't hit both of those polls, then have you really expressed an opinion on the internet? Eh? <laughs> like, True. <laughs> so I will say, and I continue to believe this: our comment section is perhaps the best corner of the internet. And I, I like, I, I am pandering. This is a truth, uh, you know. Of course, I'm doing that a little bit in saying so, but I think about the Twitter dialogue. I think about, you know, HF boards and other message boards where I sort of grew up on, so to speak, or or YouTube or, or various other social media. And I, I think that there's just so much added by our comment section on the regular even in between, and we do get those, right? I mean, if I write something too mathy, somebody will say, you know, I don't use numbers. And if I write something that doesn't have any numbers in it, I'll get the... But it's such a good community that we have, and I look forward to their takes on this as well because, um, you know, I, I've started sneaking. I, I've scrolled through the document a little bit maybe before I was supposed <laughs> to, and I, I know what some of this is going to be. Um, so, okay, you talked about... One of the debates that you had was longevity versus, say, uh, like a peak, perhaps, right? So if one player comes in and yeah. has seven very good years and then somebody else comes in with a spectacular one, how do you value that? And I wonder, can we, if that sort of thought process affected you when it came to net minding? Because I can think of one man who played several seasons for the Winnipeg Jets probably yeah. has a lot of impressive stats that you can find if you if you look for the right ones uh and then there's been another one who's been a finalist for awards and who has been just sensational this season in just a small sample size so how do you go about it who did you choose who is the all decade number one goaltender for the winnipeg jets yeah, for me, this one was pretty easy. I mean, I know that Andre Pavlik, uh, you know, did a nice job in that position at times. Uh, had the one glorious finish to the season when he was, uh, you know, not quite elite, but bordering on elite. I think he was in the 920s uh, for that one year. And I think Pavlik is a, is a good example. And I know that I don't have a, a great deal of support on this uh, from the numbers community. But I think that the Jets were a poor defensive team for a long time. And uh, I think that did definitely contribute to his subpar numbers in a lot of those seasons. But um, for me, I think that Connor Hellebuck uh, earned the nod fairly handily, if you will. Uh, I think he's, you know, he obviously had a Vezina finalist season. Uh, and even though it's just a quarter year old in this one, I think it would be uh, pretty easy to suggest that his numbers are tracking towards a, you know, above average to elite level again here. And, 
I mean, when you factor in his his first his first burst onto the scene, uh, when Pavlik did suffer that that knee injury, uh, I, I think that Connor Hellebuck uh, was a was a slam dunk here, if you will. Uh, I mean, he's he's already working his way up all of those goalie franchise records, and I mean, single season franchise record for wins. Uh, at with 44, I mean, he, he just had a, a remarkable run there, and uh, I think that that one was that one was a little easier than than some of the other other numbers down the way. But I mean, deserving. I mean, this is a guy that that has played very well. I mean, his first year as a full time starter. I mean, that it was fairly mediocre, if you will. But I think in the broader context of of what he was going through at the time and. It's funny, Connor. Connor is a classic example of where you're drafted doesn't mean anything. And it's funny uh, with, with goalies, it's it's always a bit of a crapshoot, whether you're a first rounder, a fifth rounder, or a seventh rounder, or a free agent signing. I mean, guys develop at different paces. I mean, uh, the fact that Hellebuck, uh, I mean, <laughs> worked his way from the NAHL uh, and wasn't a member of all of those elite performance level teams but had a good college career went uh, went to St. John's uh, became an AHL all-star and, and kind of went through that that entire realm of of possibilities uh, on his way to becoming an NHL starter I think that uh, he is just scratching the surface even though he's already posted some impressive numbers I think he honestly is just scratching the surface of, of what kind of goalie uh, he can be and I think that he'll tell you that much. after even after his numbers What's Sorry, that? Ken. I said, and he'll tell you that much. I was. I still think of that day yes, one of, of, of this regular season to you. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this is a guy that. I mean, his numbers dipped last year. That that's that's you know undeniable. But uh, he still finished uh, above average on a on a team that had some defensive deficiencies, especially when you know Dustin Bufflin missed half the season and Josh Morrissey missed the final quarter. So. He had to wear his part of it, and uh, I mean, I think he'll be the first to tell you he didn't play as well as he did the year before. I mean, that was obvious, but he was also determined to put that behind him and to take the next step. And I mean, at least so far this season, he's done that. So uh, that was a that was a fairly easy one for me uh, between the pipes. Strong choice, yeah, and uh, especially being such a key part of the best team of the of the decade as well for the Jets. And you know. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm not sure that I have him on the podium necessarily because we've got players averaging almost two points a game in Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. You've got a defenseman, John Carlson, who's got 36 points in 24 games. But if if I were to start making a short list for an early season quarter mark Hart Trophy candidacy, I think that Connor Hellebuck and his league-leading goal saved above expectation, the amount of games where he's played above a 950, which is just an arbitrary but very high save percentage, the amount of games that he's kept the Jets in. I, I have him in, call it a top 10 for Hart Trophy candidacy, easily in, in the NHL so far this season. Um I'm looking down the pipeline in the future. I mean, I don't know if Mikhail Berdeen is going to take a, take anything away from him in the next decade or what have you. He, he's certainly quotable and hilarious, but it's it's tough to to project. So I I think that you're going to get uh, a, a lot of respect for the for the Connor Hellebuck choice. I, I I don't know that you can pick apart that one too much. I I think that he's the guy uh, and will continue to be the guy. He's got a six year deal, thirty seven million. Um, and I think that for this era of the Winnipeg Jets, they're going to go as far as he is able to to demonstrate that they can. Um, I'm gonna. I just 
your opinion. You want to go defense here? You want to go center, left wing? Uh, where, where, where are we starting? Yeah, with? let's go defense. We'll, 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 end with the t- we'll end with the toughest ones last. Okay, sounds good. Then, well, lining up at right defense for the Winnipeg Jets all-decade team, I'm going to go ahead and guess this is going to be a popular choice for you, but uh, can, can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about the, the unique human being that is your, your number one defenseman here? Yeah, I mean Dustin Bufflin is a is a slam dunk choice, uh, and not just because he's probably been the the most popular Winnipeg Jet since their return. Uh, he just brings so much to the table, and I mean we're not seeing it right now because of the uh, the suspension and uh, subsequent grievance that has been filed uh, by the NHLPA. But when when Dustin Bufflin is in the lineup. Uh, people take notice and I mean that's the the beauty of what he what he has been for the Winnipeg Jets uh built like a linebacker and has the hands of a surgeon I mean uh, not many people who have ever played in the National Hockey League have had the combination of size speed and skill that Dustin Bufflin has he plays with brute force he plays with incredible skill and he plays with uh you know he has played with passion that uh, you know, is through the roof. I mean, the joy level he brings uh, to the occasion. And uh, I mean, one of the things that I've often said that is unfortunate when it comes to Bufflin is that he has the personality to be a superstar in the NHL. He is a superstar player, but because of his private nature, uh, he has no interest in being a, a face for hockey, uh, if you will, even though I think that he could be a great one uh, given everything you hear from teammates in terms of what kind of person he is and all those things. But uh, in terms of zone ice play, uh, I mean, for me, it's still funny to think of Dustin Bufflin in the earlier stages when there was a time when he was, was playing forward again. I mean, and that was not to say that he was not an effective forward, but I mean, he became an elite level defenseman uh, after his coaches got him to buy in on the risk reward element uh, of the game, so for me he was an absolute slam dunk uh, when it came to right defense, and that's not a knock on Jacob Truba, who was a very good player for the Winnipeg Jets and uh, put up a 50 point season last year, and uh, was a high draft pick in 2012, and a really a really good player when he was in the organization in the organization before he was moved. So. Uh, a very good player, but uh, Bufflin gets the nod. I mean, you also have to count, for me in this case, you have to count the the season that he had as a member of the Atlanta Thrashers. I mean, he was one of the few players that, that is still around that came over uh, during the relocation. And, I mean, for him to come off of the Stanley Cup winning season with the Blackhawks, to be traded, to have a great year there, and, and just to be a, a dominant force and an impact player, uh, I mean, he was a, a absolute slam dunk for, for that position as well. He did it all with what I would like to call, I think this is the first time I'll, I'll use words like this on our podcast, but such a shit-eating grin on his face. I mean, like just joyously holding one Nashville Predator in one hand and another in another and then doing the same thing against Vegas. Um, I I can't think of a more iconic Winnipeg Jet at any position than Dustin Pufflin over the last several seasons uh going back into those nashville or sorry atlanta days that you that you mentioned those thrasher days is what i tried to say um the point pace the physicality all of those sorts of things that that you went with another thing that i've appreciated about his game is his ability to bring in 
uh, lesser defensemen to, to really quite excellent results. You take a you know a young Josh Morrissey and break him into the league with Dustin Buffalo, and that will work for you. Or if you want to take Ben Sherratt, who most recently played on the third pairing, or sometimes even in the press box, and give him a good partner by which to, to play in the top four, well, that's Dustin Bufflin. And uh, a definite huge story in, in the moment missing from the Winnipeg Jets, but that doesn't take anything away uh, from what he's been able to do for such an extended period of time. Uh, I'm wondering, because this is... Uh, got to be one of the more difficult choices that you made. Who is lining up with Dustin Bufflin on the all-decade <laughs> Jets defense? Well, uh, again, this was one of the tougher challenges for me. Uh, I think Josh Morrissey, since being drafted in 2013, uh, has been an absolute uh, force on the back end. I think there were a lot of years where uh, even though Dustin Buffin was the all-star or Jacob Truba put up more points, I mean, there were a lot of stretches where you could make the case that, that Josh Morrissey was the most consistent defender, uh, which was why he was definitely in the conversation here. But uh, this was one of the areas where uh, longevity and underlying numbers were a major factor, and, and that's why I chose Toby Enstrom uh, for the job. Uh with an obvious runner-up position going to Josh Morrissey. But for me, uh, you can't discount what Enstrom did before he got to the Winnipeg Jets. And also part of the reason I'm choosing him is because of his ability to adapt to a a different role. I mean, Toby came to Winnipeg uh, as an offensive player. He had consecutive 50-plus point seasons with the Atlanta Thrashers. He ran the power play. And, I mean, unfortunately for him, uh, he came at a time where uh, more teams started to go to the four forward and one defenseman role. And when Dustin Bufflin was there, the, the power play time wasn't there for Toby Enstrom. And uh, he also embraced the, the sh- you know, the, the shutdown role or the, the security blanket element of becoming Dustin Bufflin's uh, regular partner when he was healthy and in the lineup. Uh I mean, Enstrom had been hurt. He got hurt a lot uh, with the Jets, but I think that for the most part, uh, his ability to play defense and uh, you know defend with that long stick and get some things done uh, that that gave him the the slight edge when it came to to left defense. I mean, uh, at the end, you know, it didn't end as well for Toby maybe as people had wanted. I mean, he was a guy who definitely had a lot of backers in the analytics community and. I mean, I think his play, there it was somewhat in decline, but he had a very long stretch of, uh, you know, elite defending. Uh, he was such a smooth skater, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, his contributions to the Jets uh, won't soon be forgotten. One of the things that I look for in a defenseman is the ability to put his partner in a good spot. So you, you throw the puck into somebody's corner, and Enstrom's not a big guy, and he's going to eat a hit. And it's, you know, if you're chipping into somebody's corner against the Winnipeg Jets when Enstrom and Bufflin are on the ice, you're going to choose Enstrom's uh, corner, you know, nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10. And for Enstrom to be able to absorb contact and get the puck to Dustin Bufflin with just a little bit more time than Enstrom originally had it in, you've got Paul Maurice being quoted as saying that. He trusted those two men to bring the puck out of the uh, out of the zone with m- much fewer rules and much more confidence than any of the other pairings Winnipeg had. Um, in terms of chances against during their final season together in Winnipeg, they were one of the toughest 
to generate chances against in any uh, toughest pairings to get chances against across the league. And to me, that will always be a great argument for it doesn't matter how you get it done as long as you get it done. Because there were moments where he could be exposed in a one-on-one here or there. There were size disadvantages to be sure. But those little plays in front of the net where he's just boxing somebody out and taking a stick away that don't make a highlight reel. And then you add them up hundreds of times over the course of a, of a season. And all of a sudden, it seemed like teams couldn't generate chances against the guy. Um, well, coming from an a, a analytic background, I guess, it's, it's not hard for me to agree with that. Is it fair to say, uh, before moving on to the forward group, that... Uh, your, your number one left defenseman moving forward for the next decade is probably just signed a massive contract extension. Oh, absolutely. And, and like I said, I mean, it, it took a lot for me to not have Josh have that position already with an eye towards the future and, and knowing that, I mean, there's there's this season and, and next season still included probably, you know, there, there, there's, there's this season for sure included in this decade. So... Uh, I mean, I think that Josh is, is going to still be a, a high-end defender for a long time, and, and I think that uh, I'll, be sur- I'll be surprised if uh, if he's not that left defender uh, on the next all-decade team. But as we mentioned earlier, there, there are some, some quality defensemen in the organization coming up, but um, I'm pretty sure that one of those usual uh, Paul Maurice-isms, I think you can, you can write Marie- Morrissey down in pencil, already and uh, it probably won't be long before you can change that to permanent ink oh, fair play absolutely on on that front let's let's move up front for the for the Winnipeg Jets all decade team uh, you know Paul Stastny was acquired at the 2018 trade deadline and played in who is your number one center Ken Weeb well, Brian Little uh, was the runner-up in this category. I mean, there would be a longevity ev- element there uh, <laughs> yep. coming over from uh, from Atlanta. And the other thing for me about Little is that he sort of was he was sort of underappreciated by many since his arrival. Um, the question mark about the Jets were well, maybe they don't have a bona fide number one center. But uh, you know, Brian Little has been a very very good player for a long time. Uh, played on one of the most effective lines of the decade uh, for the Winnipeg Jets and has played a variety of roles and and been a been a you know key contributor in a lot of areas but uh, for me the you know the poster child for for center centerman for the Jets uh, is Mark Shifley I mean there was always going to be uh, a lot of fanfare slash uh, under the microscope time for Mark given the fact that he was the first ever draft pick for the 2.0 version of the Jets and although Mark did have to get sent back to the Barry Colts on two occasions and there were some ridiculous whispers of him possibly being a bust uh, when he was chosen over Sean Couturier uh, at number seven uh, when he arrived full-time and it didn't take long to show that he was ready he's been a uh, you know, an absolute, uh, you know, dynamo in the middle for the Jets. Uh, he's been a point producer. He has blossom, or he's blossoming into a, a two-way player, and, you know, he's currently in his fourth consecutive season of being a point-a-game-plus player and coming off a season where he had 38 goals and 84 points, uh, both career highs. So, I mean, that was a fairly easy one. I mean, tip of the cap or stick top to Brian Little for, for what he's accomplished since coming from Atlanta. But 
Uh, Mark Scheifele has has changed the way people view the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he was chosen ahead of Couturier because of the projection that he could grow into a bona fide number one center, and, and that's exactly what he has become. With Mark Scheifele, the, th- the thing that I, I just can't get out of my head is being at uh, the Matt Frost uh, room at, at Bell MTS Place and Paul Maurice saying, I have a higher opinion of Mark Scheifele than he has. Uh, you know, I, I think he has potential to be a one-team player that wins cups, is the captain of it at some point, and gets a bronze statue in front of the building kind of guy. And, and I think that that's the sort of effusive praise that sort of makes him a clear-cut number one in this situation. For so long, you sort of wondered where would that next-level elite top-end talent, and I, I respect the, the loud little years as having some real play driving lines and, and some real success that were probably underappreciated across the NHL. But this is a, a next level for Winnipeg centerman that is represented by Mark Scheifele. And I mean, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people around the hockey universe that wondered about Sean Couturier on the day he was picked. I don't know how big that debate is in Winnipeg <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's no knock on Couturier. And I mean, let's, let's be abundantly clear. Great, great player. And I've told the story before on, on different different uh, forums, but inside Excel Energy Center for the draft, on my computer, in Twitter, I have typed the Jets select Sean Couturier, uh, just waiting to hit send. You were that and sure? <laughs> Kevin Chevalier well, had spoken to him the day before. Super, He would have passed the character test, all of those things. Uh, when Kevin Cheveldayoff announced Mark Shifley, there was a collective who on press row. Uh, Mark was a, a later bloomer. He had an unreal showing at the U18s. Um, and there was a lot of scrambling for the, uh, you know, the hockey news and the hockey DB to uh, punch in Mark, uh, Mark's statistics and to try to learn about him. But he walked to the podium with that, you know, million dollar smile and that love for hockey and his passion for the game is something that has really shone through uh, during the the majority of this decade here now who could possibly play right wing alongside mark shifley on ken (laughs) weeb's all decade winnipeg jets team yeah this was the uh the easiest of the easy uh, selections probably um Blake Wheeler is a guy who came over late in that uh, you know 2010-11 season in that deal that that f- you know famous deal with the Boston Bruins uh, that sent Rich Peverly to the Bruins and uh, which was I mean tough for Blake uh, as a guy who played in that organization and made some nice contributions to to have to miss out on that Stanley Cup uh, victory over the Vancouver Canucks in Game Seven, but. Uh, that opportunity and that trade opened the door for Blake that that he had not previously had with the Bruins. Uh, grew into a number one right winger role almost immediately uh, upon his arrival. Uh, got incredible chemistry with Brian Little first, and then later with Mark Shifley, and uh, has been a and a high end point producer. And uh, he's had a lot of strong seasons and led the Jets in scoring a lot of those years and. Uh, is coming off consecutive 91-point seasons, which is obviously elite-level production. Uh, The thing about Wheeler for me, I know he's an incredible passer, but he was always a guy that I wondered. 
I, I believed that if he had a shoot first mentality a little bit more that he could have become a 30 you know 30 plus goal scorer with some regularity I mean he's he scored 20 plus in six seasons and and would have had a seventh uh, if it if the uh, you know 2013 season hadn't been reduced because of the lockout but uh, I mean he's he's you know getting close to 900 games and I mean he's kind of grown into the face of the franchise uh, in a lot of ways as, as the captain and uh, sort of a heart and soul guy who uh, has worn his emotion on his sleeve and and still continued to be a, a big point producer for them likely one of the most underrated players in the National Hockey League across his decade of excellence for the Winnipeg Jets I mean and I agree with you he had the speed and the and the muscle to sort of if he wanted to turn corners on people and sort of go straight to the net and sort of take it himself and not not cut back for the pass I you know if if Blake Wheeler were a selfish person or a selfish uh, hockey player uh, I, I think he would have had success at it as well um, I, I think that the, the skill set was pretty well rounded and I, I'll just quickly add the one thing that remind that stands out for me about him since uh, getting to know him a, a little bit over the last couple of seasons was uh, when he looked me in the eye and said, um, you know what, I, I, I was kind of a power forward uh, sort of mold and people put that sort of pressure on me early in my career and that's what I'd been asking about. Uh, but when Paul Maurice arrived, the playbook opened up for me and I was able to find another level to my game. And I think the relationship between those two men is one of the, the more interesting storylines that has built over the last five years or so, which has been a, a solid part of the decade in which Wheeler has earned your top right-wing spot. Now, this is the final forward position on your <laughs> uh, all-decade team, and I can't imagine the amount of consternation and head scratch and all sorts of stuff that went into this one. <laughs> there have been some options Tell us about Nick Patan. I was going to make. It. Tell us about this player <laughs> uh, that, that you've chosen. Why? Uh, why him? Yeah, you know, for sure. This was uh, this was a this was a constant uh, source of consternation. I think you you hit the nail on the head with that word there. Uh, I, it was almost one of those situations where you almost want to you know, backdate the situation that, you know what, let's just give this one to Kovalchuk and, uh, and be done with it. Uh, but you know, obviously that, that was, that was not possible given that, uh, that he wasn't here. So, uh, for me, you know, Andrew Ladd did so much for the organization before moving on, uh, beyond just the sheer numbers of 139 goals and 305 points in six seasons with the Jets and Thrashers. And for me, covering the team from ground level after the announcement was made. Ladd was the first player to come to town. He was probably, I think he was the first player to put down roots, buy a house. His family embraced Winnipeg. They were on board with the move. Uh, he made a, an, an impact early on in that situation. During the lockout, he was the point person. He was uh, kept in contact with what was going on. Uh, he was the guy who spoke to the media the most for for those five seasons um and he was a productive player he's a first line player i mean the the thing about andrew ladd is that well people said oh well he, yeah he won two cups before he got here but he was a third line player well he was oh he was always more than a third line player he just was given a greater responsibility uh with the jets and and took full advantage of that and uh did a lot for this organization and even more recently i mean nikolai ehlers 
got to the NHL a year ahead of Patrick Laine. Uh, I mean, so his his point totals have been incredibly uh, impressive as well and have continued going into this year. But uh, ultimately for me, Marat, uh, I mean, just the impact that Patrick Laine has had in his first three seasons was uh, impossible to ignore. Uh, he's gotten off to a great start this year, which I did take into some consideration uh, as well. But uh, the reason, and, and I also did consider the fact that in his quote unquote worst season, in the NHL, he still managed to put up 30 goals, including 18 in a month, uh, which is basically unheard of. So when you consider the company he was residing in uh, as becoming the fourth player in NHL history to score 30 goals in three consecutive years before turning 21, uh, I had no choice but to uh, tip my hat to one Patrick Line, who's uh, availability and presence to be selected at second overall in the 2016 NHL draft. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's an over or an exaggeration to say that it, it, it changed the way the Jets roster was built. Uh, they had had a lot of uh, high-end talent and very good players, but he was the first pure goal scorer that you probably thought had the ability to score 50. I mean, obviously, Pat or uh, Mark Scheifele, as we, as we mentioned, uh, 38 goals last year. I think he could be a 40-plus goal scorer, but he's still a pass-first player. Uh, Line is a pure sniper, and the, the fact that the Jets won the lottery to move up to second overall in 2016, uh, it completely changed the fortunes. Uh, 44 goals as a second-year player, were impressive, and I think he's playing the best hockey of his career this year, even though he, you know, at the time of this recording, uh, was is not producing goals at the same level we're used to seeing. He's playing a great all-around game, and for me, the fact he was on the ice in a one-goal game, protecting a lead, uh, and won a got body position on Ryan Johansson against the boards was just one example of how he's rounding out his game. And and then at the other end, uh, his ability to have a given goal with Kyle Connor and showing his finish on the rush uh, was a very impressive. And we know he has one of the best shots uh, in the NHL right now. So we expect the goal totals to continue to go up and uh, line is the kind of guy that, that could also be a, uh, a multiple winner when it comes to the next all-decade team uh, if things continue to progress for him. Well, it's a while to think that you could say, finally, when he scored his fifth goal uh, the other night against Nashville, that brilliant play with Kyle Connor. Um, but he's at 19 points in 20 games. He's Winnipeg's second-highest scorer. Uh, he's Winnipeg's second-biggest producer of, of war, of wins above replacement this season. Uh, the guy is not struggling as much at his own blue line as you've seen in the past. He's winning battles with his body. He's hitting. He's uh, on a line that uh, is possession positive. And he's 21 years old, like you say, with a, a career-worst 30-goal season in which he scored 18 in a month. It's it's so hard to think of Patrick Laine as a player moving forward who won't stay at the top of this list. Um, and is hungry for more and is ambitious and uh, and is confident bordering well cocky in a good way I think in terms of uh, approaching his game and it's going to be interesting to see what his his next contract looks like the one that sort of shapes the the better part of the next decade for him as a Winnipeg Jet 
Um, it, it'll be interesting to see him go toe to toe in goal scoring with guys like Nick Ehler or, or Nick Ehler's part of me or Kyle Connor as well. Um, but I think that you've hit it. There's there are so few players like this that it, it likely was franchise shifting in terms of giving a certain type of weapon that Winnipeg wouldn't have had access to in any way, shape, or form without that lottery win. So. To reiterate, we've got Connor Hellebuck starting in goal, Toby Enstrom and Dustin Bufflin on defense, Mark Shifley at center uh, between Patrick Laine on one side and Blake Wheeler on the other, his frequent running mate for so long. That's a pretty good all-decade team, and the impressive thing is, I mean, that forward group is still all with the team, and there's uh, Patrick Laine and Mark Shifley still quite young as well. You could reasonably project that they'll move forward and, and be some of the more dangerous players on the on that next decade team when we're all a little bit grayer and, and, and <laughs> a little bit uh, uh, worse for wear, perhaps. Uh, can I can't imagine the amount of, of work and arguments that, that went into putting this together. Uh, in terms of a final thought, you know, how, you know, looking across the league at these other sorts of examples that, that people could put together, this is a pretty impressive team, isn't it? Like, how, how good is this? How, uh, you know, exciting? This is an open-ended question, but I mean, are there any final thoughts that you want to put this team into context for, given that it is the all-decade? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, obviously the Jets have only had one one year of playoff success, but uh, I think if 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 you were running a five man tournament at one of the All Star games uh, down the road, I think you'd be fairly comfortable with that roster. So, uh, as mentioned, uh, we welcome everyone's comments. Uh, you know, agree, disagree, uh, send us your own selections and tell us why. But uh, I'm I'm confident in in the composition of that team and. Uh, I think they would fare well uh, over the long haul. Hey, thank you for joining us on this special edition of the Boarding Pass, the Winnipeg Jets Decade in Review. Uh, for Ken Weave, once again, this is Murata Tesh on the Boarding Pass. Have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.